the narrow path had opened up suddenly on the edge of a great black lake. No more than four to a boat, Hagrid called, pointing to a fleet of little boats sitting in the water by the shore. Harry and Ron were followed into their boat by Neville and Hermione. Everyone in, shouted Hagrid, who had a boat to himself. Right then, forward! And the fleet of little boats moved off all at once, gliding across the lake, which was smooth as glass. The castle towered above them as they sailed nearer and nearer to the cliff on which it stood. Heads down, yelled Hagrid as the first boats reached the cliff. They all bent their heads, and the little boats carried them through a curtain of ivy which had a wide opening in the cliff face. They were carried along a dark tunnel which seemed to be taking them right underneath the castle until they reached a kind of underground harbour where they clambered out onto the rocks and pebbles. Oi, you there! This your toad? said Hagrid, who was checking the boats as people climbed out of them. Trevor! cried Neville, blissfully. Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to Wanderlust. Uh, or indeed, welcome for the first time to Wanderlust, if this is the first episode you're listening to. A thousand and two hellos. Uh, this is the uh, <laughs> Harry Potter Locations podcast, uh, in which we, four Harry Potter tour guides who are temporarily embarrassed, uh, with a nose for adventure and sufficiently different voices that you can hopefully tell which of us is which, take you <laughs> chronologically in sweet, sweet, geekish detail around every single location in every single Harry Potter book. In this episode nine, it's an episode nine, everyone. I said an episode and I stand by it. Get your <laughs> swimsuit and your waders on, because we're going to be sploshing around in the Hogwarts Lake, or the Great Lake, or the Black Lake. It's the same lake. Hooray! <laughs> Uh, hey. We'll be paddling through exciting real-life filming locations, searching amid the reeds for magical lake theories, and being splashed by gentle waves of waterbound magical beasts. We'll also be going even more in-depth than oh. usual. So, so it begins. Uh, yep. <laughs> Behind the scenes, on shore, safe and dry, are Steph, the Encyclopedia Black, and Nick <laughs> knows how all the tech stuff works, Ollivander. And joining me here in the lake today are... Hello, I'm Alex Scamander. I'm a Hufflepuff, and I'm going to be talking about where they filmed. Not just the good lake, but the great lake. Oh, <laughs> the lake's going to be so full of itself. Didn't know we were advertising the lake. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, I'm Greta Granger. I'm also a Hufflepuff. And today I'm talking about why you should choose the Black Lake as your next diving holiday. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I'm Nick. Raven, uh, no, I'm not. Yes, I am. I'm Nick Longbottom. <laughs> and I'm a proud... your name. I'm so fumbled already. They've even given me a script to say what I, who I am. <laughs> I'm Nick Longbottom. And uh, I will be, I'm a Ravenclaw. And I'm going to be talking about... Uh, Damp aquatic creatures. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'm Will Hagrid, so named because, though you can't see me, I look a lot like Victor Crumb. <laughs> now, <laughs> let me just get this gillyweed off my muscular torso. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll begin. So, uh, oh, Alex, um... Tell us, tell us about the filming. I shall. Um, so, obviously, the first time we see the lake in the book and the movie is, as you just wonderfully read, when the students, the first years, go across it on the boats, which is 
an amazing scene in the movie. Every time I watch this scene, I get goosebumps with the music, the way Hogwarts comes into frame. I think it is incredible. In terms of where they filmed it, I really struggled to find the information, but I strongly suspect uh, that <laughs> it might be at the studios. That's the famous hard evidence. Um, no, I'm pretty sure it must be at Leavesden, which of course is the main studios that they've used. They would have just filled it like a, it didn't even have to be a deep tank of water. You know, it would have been, it could have been fairly shallow and, you know, yeah. dragging the boats across using rope or something. <laughs> but in terms of where they carry on filming there's quite a few real locations that they use one of them for instance is virginia lake which is mm. the london area or just outside london i believe not in virginia how confusing so they filmed <laughs> the scene where harry rides bookbeat mm. that was virginia lake or at least a bit of it i think a lot of it was also a cgi creation using bits of where else they filmed yeah. but another mm. bit pops up in the fourth movie where you know the whole scene where harry and ron have fallen out and he's trying to get a message to harry but is telling the message through Hermione. She's like, I'm not an owl. Oh, yes. Mm. That was actually Virginia Lake. But another place that they film, which you might not know, now I'm going to, I'm not going to pronounce this correctly. Um, This is fun. (laughs) (laughs) Lock. Eilet? Eilet? Is that where Hagrid's standing in the lake? Ooh. See, this is the issue. My research has so many little scenes, aren't there? It's, mm. a, it's very brief. That's in the third film where he's like, Buck has been sentenced to death. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Is he played by Jim Broadbent? could be. Or that could be Virginia Lake, um, I wonder. But the most notable part of Lock Elit? Eilid? I read it as Eilid. We make Alex say this as many times as possible. <laughs> what, just the whole podcast be going, Eilid? 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 <laughs> so the bit in the, in the movie, you know there's like that little island that pops up a lot. I think you first see it in the third movie when Harry and Lupin are talking in the forest and they're looking across the lake, but there's an island sort of in front of I think that's the first time you ever see it. And it is also later on where Dumbledore's tomb is placed um, in the mm. films. It's that island. It's all the same island. And it's, it's, it was this lock that they filmed in. Elit? Elit? I don't know. <laughs> Alex, you've, um, you've very generously not mentioned the, uh, <laughs> the other lock. <laughs> I mean, I am very generous. Because, yeah. <laughs> uh, of course, most of the Black Lake, Great Lake scenes that were wide shots, that, that, that show lakes, are very famously shot on Loch Shiel. Mm. And you've now got me very insecure about how I'm saying that. Child, um, <laughs> now you know how it feels. <laughs> now I know how it shields. Oh. Uh, I'm, I'm fairly certain it's Lost Shield. Yeah, I think so. So the wide shots you see with the the mountains on either side, very notably the the, the shots where the Durmstrang ship arrives. Uh, that's that's mm. all Loch Shiel. It is a staggeringly beautiful lake. Yeah. It's a freshwater lake, which I think will become significant when we start talking about the the beasts that inhabit the uh, the Black Lake. Oh, yeah. It's actually very important in Scottish history, Loch Shiel. It's where Bonnie Prince Charlie landed in 1745. It's also Loch Shiel got a monster. Uh-oh. Turns out a lot of Scottish lochs do. This one's great, though. The The monster is called either Sealag or Shelag. Uh, has been spotted many times, most notably in... 1874, 1905, 1911, 1925, 1926. Active couple of years. Uh, 1997. <laughs> and- <laughs> Got a taste for the spotlight. I'm guessing her, uh, her internet's probably slow, though. 
She lag. Oh. oh, very good. Very good indeed. <laughs> Is it? <laughs> Is no, it? It's, it's supposed to be yep. 70 foot long, um, with a broad head, a wide mouth, and a long, thin neck, uh, and between three and seven humps sticking up out of the water behind it. Uh, there are ancient reports of it eating grass and <gasps> women and children. What? Oh. Is that very, very taste in food there? Yeah. Yep. Tried to be vegan. Like grass is a, 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 a palate cleanser and then it moves up to the flesh. The- yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. It's supposed to move very quickly through the water as well. So if you're ever on Loch Shiel, beware. Alex, do you have anything you can tell us about the fourth film? Yes, I do. <laughs> Because, of course, the lake features far more prominently in the fourth film and fourth book. Weirdly, it's quite noteworthy in the, in the film. When they do the second task, which, of course, is mainly what I'm talking about. That's what's, uh, why it's so prominent. Um, in the film, they actually create platforms in the middle of the lake, don't they? And they have to travel mm. there. Whereas in the book, they just do it from like, the shore of the lake, as far as I remember. But, yeah, they actually use boats uh, to get to the platforms, which I think is kind of interesting. Because, of course, the boats are supposed to be quite important really they're sort of like symbolizing the first years getting to hogwarts mm. um so it's kind of weird to me that they kind of like oh well, yeah use these boats you know it's like well what's the point what's the point of in the first place you know there's supposed to be this iconic <laughs> moment yeah just you can use the boat any old time but then, of course there's this whole whole sequence uh where they um where they go underwater and the first mm. time we see the the lake underwater, I know where they filmed this. It wasn't at Leavesden, but it was at a place called the Underwater Studio, and it's in Basildon. Um, oh, and cool. this pool, it's the biggest pool, I think, in Britain, and can hold around 150,000 gallons of water. Wow. Um, so you can see why they filmed there. Uh, I believe they, used, they film a lot of James Bond there when that, that goes underwater. I think they filmed Casino Royale there, you know, in the oh. in Venice, where the, I'm mm. pretty sure that's Which where they filmed the that. yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's a good scene. And Dan has to do a lot of training for this, of course, to do these underwater scenes, even though it, within the movie, of course, he's used gillyweed and, you know, he's transformed and can breathe underwater. But in reality, Dan couldn't actually breathe underwater. Because he's a human. Whoa. He's a normal human. You heard it here first, folks. Overall, he spent 41 hours and 38 minutes underwater to film the scenes Me? overall. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a lot. Of, yeah. Not all in one go, yeah. it should be said. <laughs> they worked him hard. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. Um, God rest down your rent. <laughs> but he, but yeah, there was when he was training. There was things he didn't fully understand. Um, and I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna allow Greta to talk about this because Greta, as we know, her whole personality revolves around scuba diving and going underwater. Mm. My whole personality. Is <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, you established that in the first episode. I was Entire two D personality. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, there are certain uh, hand gestures you're supposed to use to, mm. to tell the people what you want and Dan got one of them wrong and it yeah. caused some slight uh, confusion so over to yes, you Greta you are correct so there's two it's a bit hard when I can't show people but the symbol for <laughs> okay is actually very different to the symbol from I'm out of air but for some reason Dan got <laughs> the two mixed up can you give us an idea of what the gestures are Okay, so the OK symbol is, well, just like imagine a regular OK, where you, you make like a circle and the three fingers, like the OK symbol you can get on an, yeah. as an the emoji. The universal yeah, yeah, yeah. sign for I'm yeah. OK. Yeah. Exactly that. The Buddha doing a one-handed meditation. Yeah. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Whereas like I'm out of air is kind of like you just, it's almost like you're cutting your throat. You make the symbol across <laughs> your neck. Saying, How did he confuse <laughs> them? Well, it's actually interesting because I, I think we actually... Either remember it differently or have read it differently because I thought we had the same information. 
But I've actually got a slightly different story. Oh, well, you're about to notter Greta's only thing, Yeah, Alex. did you set me up <laughs> just so you could notter me again? Um, sorry, I really didn't. Because uh, uh, it wasn't even this designated. This is all she has, Alex. <laughs> this is my one fair, personality. It, it, it wasn't even designated to Greta. It was designated to me to say it. But I was like... You I asked was, me to say it! I'm sorry. The enemy's out there! The enemy's God. out there! They haven't been on a trail like this since the Red Wedding. Wow. I am truly sorry. I am truly Civil sorry. war over here. Okay, no, fine, Alex. Okay. Please well, no. All right. Okay. Well, all I'll say, I'll tell you the story that I know. You could be right. I'm not saying you're you're wrong, but the story that I know <laughs> is that he actually confused a thumbs up because every time they asked if he was okay, he would do a thumbs up. But I heard that meant he wanted to be taken up, oh. resurface. No. Now you say this, I think you're right. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, I was so confident about this story until this moment when I was saying it, and I was like, <laughs> you're, the, I, "You're the scuba diver," and I was like, Who "I did I not." Well, I, did, I know what the gestures are, but I didn't know what Dan did. So, oh, okay, I thought he did fair. the gesture that he was out of air, so they panicked and they quickly like mm. put a regulator mm. in his mouth. And actually, no, but that wow. makes more sense now. He says because that's often a common mistake. People say I'm fine by doing thumbs yeah, up, yeah, yeah, and that's supposed okay. to mean I want to go up. <laughs> You two are doing a proper Hufflepuff gorilla walk I, here. Yeah, I know it's brutal, guys. I feel, I feel awful now. I feel really bad. Yeah. Well, can I just say, for the record, listeners, producer Steph did not ask me to speak about this topic, so this was no, really on the spot no. here. But please, no. Continue. But you were both right because the gesture. The gestures you said were right, Greta, and but the story was correct as well, Alex. So you both win it. Oh, oh, who knew it. that Nick would be the mediator in this situation? Yeah, I, I didn't expect to be, but... <laughs> yeah, but now, but Greta, talk about something you do know about us. Yeah, well, <laughs> it'll be a short paragraph, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to talk about Dennis Creevy, guys. Beloved Dennis Creevy. Now, we may remember the beginning of Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. They're all sat in the Great Hall. And one particular young 10-year-old, Dennis Creevy, he walks in. He's wearing Hagrid's coat, which must have been... Can we take a moment to think how big that must have been on him? Yeah. yeah. And he, of course, very yeah. enthusiastically says, Oh, I fell into the lake! Which is uh, which is really exciting. Now, I thought we could play a little game as to how did Dennis fall into the lake? What do we think? <laughs> Ooh. I oh. think... He was just looking over the boats. Although I suppose if he fell in there, wouldn't he have, wouldn't he have pulled the boat with him? Wouldn't other people have fallen in? Well, exactly. If he excitedly yeah. stood up and fell in, surely the whole boat would have gone over. Yeah. So how did That's just he specifically well, if he's fall wearing in? Hagrid's coat, maybe Hagrid was trying to bundle him up to drown him because he's like, he's not going to make it. And when he comes back, he's like, I fell in. He's like, oh, bloody hell. <laughs> <laughs> trying to get rid of this one. Well, as a, as, as a, a big Hagrid fan, I think that's unlikely. I think, um, if anything, Hagrid uh, gallantly swam to his rescue. I, I believe uh, Dennis Creevy must have been pushed in by Peeves, that naughty poltergeist. Oh. And um, mm. Hagrid, using his brilliant eyes, saw this from up on top of that mountain where his hut is. And he ran, no, he slid down on his coat, using it like a sledge. Uh, and then he got to the waterside and he quickly constructed a raft out of a tree that he pulled out of the ground and his coat, which he used as a sail, got to the middle of the lake in a uh, great time where Colin had drifted by this point. Colin? Where Dennis had uh, drifted by this point. Um, dived gallantly in, um, wrestled Two merfolk who were trying to hold him down, uh, pulled him up again, and then just never took credit. Wow. This is sheer propaganda. Where's this Gryffindor film? propaganda. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny you should mention Colin, because also a little bit about Colin. So Colin actually believes it's the giant squid that saves his brother that pulls him out, because as I'm mm. sure we're going to come on to a little bit, the giant squid is supposed to be very nice. And some mm. think that it was actually merpeople that saved Dennis. Now... 
there is a little bit of a theory that this is a bit of foreshadowing because, of course, as we mentioned in the second task, they have to rescue something taken by the Mer people. And it's Colin's younger brother who falls into the lake in a similar way that Fleur's younger oh. sister has to be rescued oh. from the lake. I have a question about this. Please do. Like, you know, when they take, you know, they, the, they take these other people that are part of the competition, they hide them in the lake and they're guarded by the Mer people. Like, what happens if they don't complete the task? Yeah. Do they just die? Nothing happens. Because this is the point in the story because Harry was an idiot because <laughs> like because he saves everyone thinking they're going to die and then I come, at the end of it uh, he gets obviously awarded extra points because of that but someone does tell Harry that well they would have been fine obviously Dumbledore wouldn't have allowed them to actually die and uh, oh yeah uh, Steph said Hermione is the one who points this out. To be fair, Harry's had some very high-stakes situations <laughs> in the previous yeah. years. It is completely plausible yeah. that it should have gone that, really like, well. you know, That is his life at this point, isn't it? Rescuing people. Yeah. So. There's all this, like, you know, yeah. he. there's all this faff about you need to be of age to be in the Triwizard Tournament. It's intensely dangerous. And then they mm. just lob these students in the lake. <laughs> yeah. And, like, even if Dumbledore's like, oh, sorry, they're <laughs> Don't safe. even, like, this... ca- carefully place them there. <laughs> you just say this, throw <laughs> them, them in. <laughs> there's so many variables. Like, you can't guarantee that Harry's not going to drop them and they'll die or something, or they have some sort of an allergy to weeds. Like, yeah. Yeah, there's any number of things. Health and safety, yeah. leads to expect Hogwarts. Nick, ma- magic exists in this world. <laughs> no, I'm with Nick God. on this, and I'm going to come to this a little bit later, because yeah. there's many other factors with this as well. The other question, of course, is uh, do the people who are lobbed into the lake know that they're not going to die, or are they just not told for realism purposes to make the contestants think yeah. that they're... Yeah. Well, yeah. And at what point do they regain, because they emerge from the lake and they're suddenly like, wow, all these people clapping and dear God, what am I doing in the lake? Or is someone like, hey, lucky you, you're going to be part of the competition. (laughs) I like the possibility of death in the Triwizard Tournament. Well, that is actually, (laughs) (laughs) that's a fact. Will's the only one who saw Cedric die and go, good, satisfactory. (laughs) Yeah, finally. (laughs) Some real stakes, finally. (laughs) Speaking of the Triwizard Tournament, uh, no account of the Hogwarts Lake would be complete without a quick going over of the Durmstrang ship. Mm -hmm. So it appears, it... um, comes out of the lake. It hasn't always been there. Uh, it comes from Durmstrang, and it uh, transports the Durmstrang citizens, citizens, students, <laughs> people on the boat. Like, why am I here? I just went out for a loaf of bread and now yeah. I'm on to a ship. It's also a very, very small country. Interestingly, no one knows where Durmstrang is. JK said in one interview, an early interview before she'd finished writing the series, that it was very probably in Scandinavia, which is why it's in the north. Uh-huh. So yeah, the ship. Um, it's a galleon, mm-hmm. which is fun. Galleons are the best sort of ships. They're uh, they're huge, they're hulking, they're fat. Sorry, was, am I right in thinking they were commonly used as warships? Because they could put loads yeah. of yeah, cannons in on them. Yeah. But they were yeah, also yeah, yeah. somehow they're- very fast as well. Yes, they're weight-bearing ships. They're they're wonderful pieces of engineering. And, of course, a lot of early galleons sank, which is interesting because the Durmstrang ship isn't just a galleon. It is a sunken galleon. It's clearly been dredged up from the ocean floor, which made me wonder about the the history of the Durmstrang ship. Um, If... um, uh, if Durmstrang is somewhere in mid-Europe, like Bulgaria, maybe it's a pirate ship. If it's from Scandinavia, do you know the Swedish galleon, the Vasa? I don't. No. It's the most beautiful shipwreck. Um, like the Mary Rose, which is a bit more famous in the English-speaking world, mm. the Vasa sank on the first Wait, is, day is it, of its maiden voyage. 
Will, is it in a museum now? It belongs yeah, in yeah, a museum. Yeah, I saw an image of it really recently and I was like, I oh. need to go there. I'm going yeah, to Google that's it. That's so funny. It is incredible. It looks a lot like the Black Pearl, actually. it's It's got these magnificent lanterns. It looks like a haunted boat. Oh, wow. And I wonder... Have you just seen it? Yes, Was I'm the... looking at it now. Yeah. It's incredible. <laughs> it's beautiful. Um, it's so much better preserved than the Merry Rose as well. Um, I imagine because the water's colder. Uh, it can depend on salt, I think, as well, on okay. how well preserved it is. But the Merry Rose, now it's in this like humid area, so you have to go through like three doors because they have to get the temperature at just an exact amount to stop it from decomposing. Well, oh, that's interesting. On the tour that um, connects us, the, the tour that we all work for, the Tour for Muggles, finest Harry Potter walking tour in London, um, <laughs> we uh, take people to the Golden Hind, um, which looks remarkably similar uh, to the concept art that was originally done for the Dermstrang ship. It's a likely visual inspiration yeah. to the extent that the colour scheme is very similar. The Golden Hind is all red and gold, so is the Dermstrang ship. Interestingly, though, so was the Vasa. It might also have been red and gold. I wonder if that was what JK was nodding to, especially because it is explicitly an underwater ship. Yeah. Um, oh, well, yeah. There's a lot of debate about how the ship gets into the Hogwarts lake. There is lots of evidence in the books that it doesn't just apparate into the lake for dramatic effect. It actually sails there. Right at the end of Goblet of Fire, chapter 37. I'll just do you the quote. Um, <laughs> wonder how the Domestrang students are getting back said Ron. Um, <laughs> He's such an idiot. It's like, here it's Stephen Fry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Do you reckon they can steer that ship without Karkaroff? <laughs> Karkaroff did not steer, said a gruff voice. He stayed in his cabin and let us do the work. Um, so they are actually sailing it. Mm. That was amazing. It does yeah. sail underwater. So, um, yeah, Nick, might the Durmstrang ship, in its journeys across the bottom of the lake, have encountered any... Beings, <laughs> you know, you know. Sometimes, you know, you, you meet someone and you're like, they're not that interesting. They're not that boring. They're just kind of like, meh. They're, oh no, <laughs> they're like, is. they're like meh people. It's funny I mentioned meh people because I now I'm going to talk about meh people. There's actually several <laughs> different subspecies of meh people, including selkie, siren, and merrow. Uh, so Newt Scamander tells us that the earliest recorded term for merpeople was sirens in ancient Greece. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, <clears throat> Harry in the books, of course, he actually says that when he sees the merpeople, that they look very different to how he was expecting and nothing like the images of merpeople he had in his head, because he obviously he was thinking of Disney. But, um, Scary. <laughs> um, but actually, he says in warmer waters, uh, you'll find the more beautiful mermaids depicted in muggle paintings. Uh, this is all in Fantastic Beasts. Mm. But Selkies of Scotland and Merrows of Ireland are a bit more sort of uh, feral and bestial, suggesting that the ones in the Great Lake are actually probably Merrows or Selkies. When you say Fantastic Beasts, do you mean like the original book with all the creatures? The original book, yes. Okay, the, okay. Uh, mm. the original source material. Love um, that book. Love that book. It's a good book. It's a page turner. Um, <laughs> but they, they're obviously quite an advanced race because as well as being sort of humanoid, weird creatures, they do have a love of music that's uh, intrinsic to all mer people. So Harry, of course, hears uh, sort of strains of music when he goes down into the Great Lake. Um, mm. Apparently you can hear music sometimes on the Great Lake at night and so on. Um, like, curiously... Those beats. Yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> it's tunes. <laughs> yeah, true, true. <laughs> yeah. They also keep pets. They have small, uh, smaller... Uh, 
creatures as pets, such as Grindelows, um, that they can keep. So that suggests they have a higher culture. They also have their own language called Mermish, and a bit of a rocky relationship with the British government, because uh, <laughs> Chief Alfreda Clagg uh, decreed that they should not be worthy of the term being, um, since she insisted that in order to qualify for this, they must speak human language, and thought that Mermish was uh, inadequate. Oh, Barty Crouch Sr. speaks Mermish. Does he? Oh, yeah. Well, well, Dumbledore apparently. does, surely, as well, doesn't he? Doesn't Dumbledore, Dumbledore speaks all languages. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. yeah. He's a very Making it a human-speaking language? Mm. Then subsequently, years down the line, in 1811, Minister Grogan Stumps tried to <laughs> offer them the status of being, but they actually rejected it at that time because they said that to do that would kind of class them in with uh, vampires and hags, which they considered to be too uh, vulgar. So much like centaurs, they actually continued not being called beings, but remaining under the term of mm. beasts. There you go. Um, Gosh. Hmm, much fun. Mm. We mentioned a few episodes ago, I think, um, well, we talked about the Harry Potter exhibition that was at the British Library. I mean, I thought my knowledge of Harry Potter was pretty darn good, but I went and discovered so much stuff. And one thing it revealed uh, was that the mermaids initially were going to appear earlier in the series. Did you know this? In the second mm-hmm. book? Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, oh, all right, well, then I won't mention it. Sorry, <laughs> uh, sorry, no, I'm, no, I'm joking. I'm, I'm, I'm joking, joking. I will mention it. So just pretend you've never heard it. <laughs> um, <laughs> so... Uh, if this uh, is Mer- going to plan, there are more people listening than the three of us. <laughs> <laughs> True. Yeah, Merfolk. So when Harry and Ron, of course, were uh, in the car and they crashed down uh, into Hogwarts, of course, in the actual book that came out, they crashed into the Whomping Willow. Uh, initially, mm. JK's plan was for them to crash into the lake and the Merfolk were going to actually rescue them. Now, the editor at the time was a bit like, well, I don't know, like, is this like... Are the mermaids going to be uh, merfolk? Sorry, are they going to be important later? Are they significant enough? And J.K. Rowling at that point wasn't hundred percent sure whether she was going to use them again, um, mm. so decided to change it to the Whomping Willow because she knew the Whomping Willow would be important in the next book, which I think is the much better decision, honestly, because I think that something so satisfying about how important the Whomping Willow is. Whereas, yeah. you know, we know about the lake, we know creatures are in it, so it's not a huge surprise that merfolk suddenly do appear um, in the fourth story. It's quite a beast-heavy yeah. book, the second one as well, so mm. true. may have been yeah, overkill with too many animals. Very true, yeah. It's also quite sinister to have a car crash into a lake, because getting out of that, you'd have, you'd have mm. limited time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. It's quite scary. And also, yeah. it probably would have undermined the whole threat level in the fourth one, because the merfolk at that point are sort of unknown, um, yeah. and Harry genuinely believes they're like a threat. Well, that's part of his solving the riddle, isn't it? Where he's like, mm. Mm. Yeah. say Percy. Are there mer people in <laughs> He does say that a lot. Um, yeah. but, but my point being, obviously, if they'd already been saved, then Harry would have been like, well, hey, guys, you know, you know how you saved me before. Well, do me a, another favour. Yeah, do me yeah. a solid. Yeah, 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 let yeah, me yeah. have or a friend back. And Come on now. But yeah. It needn't well, have been the mermaids, of course. It, it, it could have been any number of animals in the lake. True, mm. true. Well, it what, could. What, what, was that, what was that wheeled vehicle uh, that just went past? Was it a Segway? <laughs> <laughs> Nick, over to you. Thank you kindly. I'll write that Segway all the way to its natural conclusion. So there is, of course, uh, in the lake you mentioned earlier, Will, uh, a sort of semi-domesticated giant squid. And uh, the chocolate frog card describes it as the bane of Hogwarts. Um, suggesting it's quite a sort of sinister presence in Hogwarts Castle, mm-hmm. and yet it, it, you know it seems to be on reasonably good terms. Uh, and in the summer, it says that it allows students to sort of uh, tickle its tentacles, 
Yes, also Dennis Creevy, as we mentioned earlier, he's possibly uh, pushed back to safety by the squid. Harry Potter does something to the squid. Do you know what it is? Um. (laughs) uh, Chess. Yes, Steph Black is correct once again. He feeds it. He feeds it a bit of toast. It's probably bad for its indigestion and it dies. Ron also (laughs) hopes the squid will attack Crumb when he swims in the lake because he's a bit like, ooh, Crumb, me, me, and all that jazz. (laughs) (laughs) However, there is... Perfect summation of his feelings. There is a very, very interesting theory, which I would like you to uh, tell me true or false, because I actually have the information before me. This is a game I've invented called Kefla Nod or Kefla Not. So, some speculate the giant squid is uh, the dangerous creature Newt Scamander released before being thrown out of Hogwarts. Others think that it is in fact Godric Gryffindor, the largest Animagus in existence, and that at night he transforms himself back into human form and what? Around the and walks, walks around the grounds of Hogwarts before uh, transforming into a human and returning before sunrise. So, yeah, wait, what so do we think uh, to what this? What are we guessing if it's real or whether the theory exists? <laughs> You're guessing whether that's true or not because JK has. Commented oh, said, on this. Oh, I, oh, I, but as in like real commented or like you invented? No, it she's she. Yeah. Has a fi- <laughs> this is another fake no, no. quote, Nick. Yeah. If anyone's listening, this one is true. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, what do we think? Do we think it's Godric? Well, Godric makes no sense. Uh, yes, I, I don't think it's Godric. Obviously, he's very old. And also, if he wasn't an Animagus, I would have thought he would turn to a lion. Isn't that where that would have come from? Yeah, that makes a lot more sense. Or yeah, the Gryffindor symbol should be a squid, which would be hilarious. <laughs> which would be great. Yeah. That yeah. Would be yeah. Great. So you're going Kefla not, Alex. Um uh, of, yeah. <laughs> Yes. Uh, is that your options again? <laughs> sure. The options yeah. are Kefla nod or Kefla not. It's the only way I could make Kefla pod work <laughs> as a pun. <laughs> yes, then I'm going uh Kefla not on the okay. Godric Gryffindor one. Miss Granger. Um I'm just for the sake of Opposing Alex, I'm gonna go. <laughs> what? Double and nod. And uh, William. Uh, just, just to completely balance this, I'm gonna go somewhere in the middle, and I'm gonna say Nuke's commander released Godric Gryffindor <laughs> against his will. <laughs> I mean, that would doing? that would suggest that like Gryffindor would be you know locked up under Hogwarts as a squid for some time. Yeah, it does. It does add a sort of strange echo if you know because Slytherin's left a massive snake, mm. and if Gryffindor had left another large animal, and then there could be an enormous badger somewhere as a sort of like homage. Uh, no, I can tell you all now. J.K. Rowling actually joked that the squid was actually Godric Gryffindor, the largest animagus ever recorded. This is a, a, again a story I question. She was unexpectedly mm. taken seriously by many fans and had to clarify that she was jesting. But if J.K. Rowling goes online and tweets, oh, the squid's Godric Gryffindor, obviously you're like, oh, that's a surprise, but fine. (laughs) uh, A voice tone over Twitter, can you? So even if you laden it with sarcasm, people are going to be like, well, great. Take it. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Squids are also deep uh, sea dwelling animals and can't survive in fresh water. Yes, very So, true. wait, sorry, Nick, is the, is, the new, is the new thing true? No, the new thing is, is again, a speculation. Uh-huh. Um, although I think somewhere it says that he released something else instead. Uh-huh. But that's the prominent theory is that that could have been the creature he released, which I quite like. So, I'm going to yeah. say it's true. Okay. But, uh, yeah, sadly, the Godric Gryffindor theory is a myth. Aww. Uh, <laughs> 
Do you guys know, um, at the point J.K. Rowling was writing the books, a giant squid had not been captured on film. Really? Ever. Yeah. It happened for the first time about three years ago. I can't recommend the film enough. It's hypnotic. They also micro-huge as well, based on the size of their suckers, um, scars from which have been found on uh, sperm whales. Apparently they have great epic battles under the water. Um, But uh, yeah, based on the size of the suckers on their tentacles, they could be hundreds of feet long. Wow. Ah. So guys, if you are looking for a holiday with some adventure, then the Black Lake is a fine contender. Now, I am no Merlin-class dive master, so I'm not an expert, but there are a few things you might want to consider if you're diving in the lake. First of all, visibility <laughs> would be terrible. Uh, there's beautiful, <laughs> clear waters in the Maldives. This ain't. It would likely <laughs> be really dark, so you'd need a torch is all I'm saying. The upside, though, be in a lake, you won't have strong currents, so you're not going to be blown around too much. So you've got a, a nicer uh, slow... Would you say they're black currents? Oh, that is Alex. Amazing. I am awarding you pun of the podcast. Thank you. (laughs) Well, also bearing in mind that you're doing this in Scotland, so it's going to be real cold water in that lake. Now, this is coming back to what we were mentioning earlier about how unethical it is to throw a bunch of kids into this scenario. Hypothermia is surely going to kill Mm. them because they're swimming in. Do you remember like those really thin shorts? Well, despite the cold, guys, it is actually worth diving there because, have we seen in the illustrations, there are actually beautiful ruins in the Black Lake, which oh. is something. But where have they come from, is my question. Why are there ruins there? What, like, what, what was there? Maybe they're like former Moa civilizations that have been left, you know, to run wild. Oh, but, then what, but if the Moa people are still there... Like, yeah, but I- they, they renovated and moved out. <laughs> And then came back. <laughs> oh, oh, or are you saying that their main civilization is somewhere else in the lake, but they just use that old area for the task? Yeah. <laughs> like an I don't think you thought that far ahead, Nick. Oh. It's there. It could, well, of course. I was just asked the question, I think. <laughs> it could not always have been a lake. It might have, maybe it's Leoness. What is uh, that? Right, Le- Leoness. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's an Arthurian myth about a flooded city. Oh. Uh, maybe those are the, the, the ruins of Leoness. Maybe. Or maybe Dumbledore tried to build Hogwarts there, and they were like, this is going to flood Albus. <laughs> <laughs> no, it won't. Because Dumbledore built Hogwarts. Everybody. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, Nick, you really have to read so. these books. <laughs> <laughs> he was a caretaker back then. He's had quite the promotion. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Well, actually, guys, did we know that all the plumbing, the drainage does go into the Black Lake? That's a oh, thing. Oh, God. Does it? Yeah, mm. yeah, I read that. On the fandom. Murd people. Moving on to the regulations of the Black Lake, because we're going to end on rules. Everyone loves rules. <laughs> we know how to keep the fun running, don't we? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Even that excitement going. Do, are we allowed in the Black Lake? Is that allow- Are students allowed to go there? Well, they go in all the time. They're not encouraged to go in, surely. Well, when and they can't s- swim. Yeah. When do we see them go in? Well, Dennis Lily- falls in. Dennis falls Lily dangles her feet in it. But that's probably all right, dangling, but dangling. That's and all right. yeah, Victor Crumb goes swimming in it, so I think maybe you can. I don't know. I don't know if it's out of bounds. I mean, there's so many. But things. does he just go swimming in the movie, or is that in the book as well? Because I know no, it's in the book as well. Because Ron's like, yeah. Oh, I hope he gets eaten by the squid. Just oh, like that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to hear him say that again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like Alex to say the name of that lock again, but. Uh... <laughs> 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 
Well, to conclude, uh, I have a final thing of note. This is actually really sweet, guys. So we mentioned earlier about how they use the boats to cross the Great Lake and Alex seemed quite <laughs> upset that they use them for other events. Well, fear not, because there is another <laughs> ceremony where they use the boats as well. Apparently, when they graduate Hogwarts, they always put the final years on boats and send them back across the lake as sort of symbolism that they are finally leaving Hogwarts mm, forever. That's, uh, that's lovely. That's really sweet. They just JK Which, didn't add that because she thought it was a bit trivial after yeah. the Battle of Hogwarts. But that's what they usually do. Well, also, Harry wouldn't be able to do it because he didn't actually graduate. So Harry would be just watching all of his fellow students go across. It would probably just be Hermione that does it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly, yeah. If they were doing a true analogy of what graduating feels like, they'd have put a big hole in the boat so you slowly sink (laughs) as you leave university. Yeah. Um, And and that reaffirms my anger as to just the trivial trivial use of the boats uh, in the fourth movie. Because I think that adds to the special nature of these boats as well. So, yeah, I'm, I'm still angry. I'm still angry. <laughs> Such like... unusual triggers out of <laughs> 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 The things that make you furious. <laughs> it's probably time to sail home, everyone. <laughs> Thank you very much indeed for listening this week and uh, getting your feet wet with us. Because <laughs> uh, we were in a lake. Uh, um, I now most certainly want to go diving in Lost Shield. Maybe spot a monster. <laughs> if you enjoyed following Harry's journey, then don't forget to subscribe. We're on iTunes, we're on Spotify, we're on SoundCloud, we're on Castbox. Why not do several? Catch up with us <laughs> next week as Wanderlust will finally walk up the steps of Hogwarts itself. Yes! We finally yes! got there. Hooray! Hooray! See you next time, yours. <laughs> this chief managed. I hope they dive into that podcast. <laughs> oh, I'm <laughs> Johnny, Johnny, you just couldn't let it go. I'm sorry. <laughs>